What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for downloading, watching the number one rank show with me, RJ Young, on your Fox Sports app, wherever it is you get your podcast, And of course, on the YouTubes, we are doing it. And check it. As we get closer to the season, we're going to also pick up the cadence a little bit here. And you're going to get at least, you know, two a week of the number one ranked show. And, of course, I'm always going to do my VOD stuff. Those of you that watched the Quinn Ewers bit I did, I appreciate it. That is exactly for you. And it's one of the things I really love about working at Fox is we can respond to news and we can have this conversation going into shows like this one. Where, yes, the lead has got to be Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC. Now... How does Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC change football? Quite a bit, as you might understand. And at one, it is the first 16-team conference. It will be the first 16-team conference in the history of the sport. 14 was the number for the Big Ten. You also had... You also... You also <laughs> I keep looking at this and going, the Big 12 is down to 8. When it started with 12, was at 10. Pac-12 went from... 10 to 12, Big Ten just refused to change its name because it's been around literally as long as the Olympics since 1896. And they get to sit here and look pretty. And then you look at the ACC and they've had rumor after rumor coming about Florida State and Clemson joining the SEC to which you've had both sides of that say, hey, we have had no discussions about those two teams joining the SEC. But the reason I think that Oklahoma and Texas is interesting here is because Oklahoma and Texas have always wanted to operate like Southeastern Conference schools and Politically, Texas and Oklahoma have always been of the South. So this is really them just trying to get along where they fit in is what they think. But for me, growing up with the Big 12 being my league, this has been a tremendous deal for me that I have not been. Let me go at this another way. I've been loathed to talk to you about this actually being a thing because I've grown up with Oklahoma playing against SEC teams and taking a special pleasure in beating the hell out of SEC teams. As a matter of fact, if we're getting into the nitty gritty of it, Oklahoma and Texas have done nothing but destroy the SEC since its inception, 1932. And for those of you that have wondered, the Oklahoma has been a part of a big something since 1919, Big 8, Big 12, so forth, so on. But the thing that I really enjoyed about this, and I'm pulling up the stat right quick, is just how badly Oklahoma and Texas have beaten up on SEC opponents, okay? So Oklahoma is 110, 49, and 8 against SEC opponents. Texas is even better than that. 191, 92, and 9 against SEC opponents. To which, already, when I tweeted that stat out, I have SEC stands coming. Hey, those facts are irrelevant. All those wins and losses are irrelevant. Oh, yeah. Bear Bryant is irrelevant. Okay. Herschel Walker is irrelevant. Okay. To say nothing of the way that Oklahoma's been beaten up on Texas, right? They take losses so seriously at Oklahoma to Texas that Mike Stoops got fired after losing 48-45 to Sam Ellinger and Texas. And then the next year, Alex Grinch and them come back. They put Sam Ellinger on his behind nine times. And then the following year, Tom Herman is seen out the door. Those two folks can't stand each other. And I like that they're probably going to be in something like a division or pod playing against each other every year in the Cotton Bowl. That's cool. But the other thing to keep in mind here is 
what are you doing against the class of the conference? Because we can all make jokes about Vanderbilt and how much they suck. And as much as it's going to hurt Javion's feelings, South Carolina ain't been about nothing for about like 10 years. Okay. We can keep going. Like, Cats, Tennessee. Oklahoma knows something about that. You know what I mean? And if you take a look at it, Oklahoma's got a winning record against SEC teams just in the last 10 years. But against the class of the conference, that is Alabama, Oklahoma is 3-2-1 all time. And Texas is 7-1-1 all time. Again, let me, let me, let me, let me put this in, in terms you can understand. Oklahoma and Texas are a combined 10-3-2 against Alabama. It's not as if Oklahoma, Texas, more Oklahoma than Texas, are going to walk into the SEC and get handed their heads. That's not what's going to happen. Though I do believe that it's going to be a much more difficult way for Oklahoma to try to make the college football playoff. And then from that standpoint, I cannot agree that this was in your best interest because basically since 2009, Alabama's been nothing but a juggernaut destroying people. From Rolando McClain to Tua Tonga-Valoa. From my man's Patrick Sertan II to Jerry Judy. You keep going, right? Just in the last 10 years, we put an all-Alabama team out there that could probably stop a mud hole and walk dry the rest of college football. I don't know that that's what you want if you're Oklahoma, that, but to Bob Stoops' point on the college football on Fox preseason show, Oklahoma might have been a few defensive recruits short of beating a Georgia or winning a national championship in 2017, to which I would say, nah, uh, Bob, I think we were a defensive coordinator short, but that's just me. I'm not going to run a three-man front against Nick Chubb and Shoney Michelle. I don't think that's about having players. I think that's about having scheme. But Alex Grinch is defensive coordinator for now till that man takes a head coaching job, which I think is in his future. But also in here, what has Oklahoma done against Nick Saban has been really fascinating for me because you'll remember the 2003 Oklahoma Sooners were probably the best team of my lifetime. Certainly the best team not to win a national championship. And they got beat by Nick Saban's LSU, right? 2004. And then you're talking about, yes, of course, the 2013 Sugar Bowl and 2018 uh, Orange Bowl. But Oklahoma's 2-2 two and two against Nick Saban as the head coach in the SEC. So what I'm saying here is I think Oklahoma's going to be fine. But is fine good enough? Because fine gets you into the SEC championship game. It does not get you the SEC championship as Georgia in 2019, okay? And somebody's got to play Alabama and Florida, right? Because Florida was fine in 2020. Fine didn't do much for them in the SEC championship game. And I don't know that Oklahoma wants to be the second team in to the college football playoff coming out of the SEC. And I also think this is going to change college football because we're talking about changing the way the playoffs are done. We're already just taking the train to a 12-team playoff, but I think we're going to get to 16 quicker than you want to believe, in large part because the SEC will will it so, right? Now, Greg Sankey went out there and said, nobody from our league was clamoring for an expanded playoff. We were fine with four. Yeah, it's because y'all could end up with two in the national championship game. I don't know that the rest of college football is going to take it very well that the SEC is going to show up with eight teams they think they can get into the 16-team playoff, but that's where we are right now. I also think that when you take into account these all-time notes and rivalry numbers that I think should be in every media guide from College Station to Columbia, you should really take into account Ohio State-Michigan also. Because Michigan leads Ohio State 58-51-6 in their rivalry, but ask the Wolverines how that has gone for the last 10 years. Okay, What I find interesting about that 
It's just how cyclical these things can be and usually will be. What I find hypocritical about that is the same people that want to tell me that, you know, tradition matters and every game matters are the same people that are going to tell me, well, actually, RJ, we don't think that the previous nearly 100 years of college football matters when you're talking about how Oklahoma and Texas have destroyed SEC opponents on the regular. Okay? You cannot have it both ways. You have to choose aside those of you that are fence sitting i hope you fall between your legs okay that's where we're at with this the other part about this that i think is going to be interesting i don't know how this is going to play out and i don't even want to really get into the logistics of it except to say something's got to give with the overall money revenue sharing defensive recruiting all this sort of stuff as we get closer to a 16 team sec you're going to have more haves and have-nots, which is the way of college football, by the way. But as we're getting to embrace the capitalistic principles of this country, name, image, and likeness, educational benefits not being capped, you're going to see more people grabbing for what they can. Okay, And it might mirror what the pandemic has mirrored. Big companies did very well. Small companies, gone forever. Your core stocks now are Amazon, Facebook, Google. That's where your money is going. Apple. You are losing if you are a small business. That sucks. It sucks for college football most of all because a lot of the greatness of college football is in small programs that operate like small businesses. I went to a small private university called the University of Tulsa. And I can't tell you how already Oklahoma State fans are trying to distance themselves from the University of Tulsa because they don't feel that the University of Tulsa is on their level, even as Oklahoma looked at Oklahoma State and said, hey, there was no room for you in this deal. And the last time we tried to put you in the middle of this with us, they said, hey, we don't really want them because they're not on our level. You're going to see more tears here. And that's not good for the sport. It's not good for you and I because it destroys the imagination and ideal of the American dream, which is that anybody could do it at any time, which you could take any direction you want to take, but I'm going to take it in this way. How has that been true? And when is that true? It's true for the folks that already have an advantage. It is not true for the disadvantaged among us. And the disadvantage among us in college football are always going to play in those quote unquote group of five conferences. And now you have your first super conference that is even a level above the autonomous five as Bob Bowlesby and George Klievkoff are having conversations about what that means for their respective conferences and whether or not they could be in, in lieu together and try to do something that I think is going to be very cool. Even so, this is going to get wilder. We're not done with this at all. Because the Big 12 feels some kind of way. And folks that are fans of other Big 12 teams feel some kind of way. Matter of fact, Texas Senator went at Jay Hurtzel's neck going, hey, look, maybe your fans would like to lose to Alabama more than they would like to lose to Texas Christian. And she pointed out, UT is 3-7 and seven of the last 10 times they played Texas Christian. I love the pettiness of this because that is what is great about the sport. Everybody, your neighbors, care about what's going on here. Matter of fact, the day that we are recording this episode, Sonny Dykes got up there for Southern Methodist and said, hey, I think the biggest thing we should be talking about is whether or not Horns Down is still going to be a penalty in the Big 12. I submit to you, it should not be. 
You should be allowed to be as petty as you want to be with this because that is the best part of this sport and that is the best part of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. What I will not abide, what I cannot stand is the idea of an Oklahoma fan chanting SEC. It will drive me crazy. I remember 2008. Hell, I remember 2004. I remember how badly I wanted Oklahoma to beat not just Alabama, but an SEC opponent. 2016 Auburn means something to me. Losing to Georgia in the 2017 Rose Bowl means something to me. And I'm not going to put that aside because y'all decided to up and join a new conference for the second time in 25 years. I don't like them. I doubt they like me. And as y'all would tell me, that's the way you want it to be. Okay? So Oklahoma is coming to your conference, SEC. And Sooner is shorthand for land thief. That means it ain't nothing for an Okie to show up to your front yard, drop a stake in the ground, and tell you to leave. This is how your conference becomes Oklahoma's conference. Okay? You wanted this. Remember that. Remember you wanted Oklahoma in your conference. To say nothing of whatever Texas decides to do with themselves. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, maybe they'll be all right. They, they command a lot of money. Kids usually want to go to school there, but we'll see if Steve Sarkeesian can develop. I'm just here to tell you. I'm from the state that everybody's called a wasteland. I'm from the state that didn't nobody want. I'm from the state that they sent dispossessed nations to. And you think that us coming in your territory is going to change us? Nah, dog. Watch your back, SEC. All right. Now, I want to get your comments on a question that I put to you about how many national championships Oklahoma and Texas combined will win in their first 10 years in the SEC. All right. We out you which means that we ask you a question and you give us our, uh, your response to it. And before I bring in producer Kat to tell me what she thinks are some of your best responses, the question is, how many titles, excuse me, how many national titles combined do Oklahoma and Texas win in their first decade in the SEC? Producer Kat, what's up? Really surprised you didn't introduce me as SEC Catherine. You know, I was getting the sense that you don't necessarily like that as much as you like produce cat. So I'm just trying to. I think they're both. I think they're both appropriate in this case. Okay. Okay. Just this week, I was shocked that you didn't. Um, But here's one from Quadre Williams. Neither team will win one. Sorry, not sorry. Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson will make sure of that. UGA is in the shadow as well. Can't forget about LSU. I'm inclined to see his logic on this because of how Oklahoma has performed in its only trips to the college football playoff. It has taken an L to every last one of those teams. Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Bama. Those are the teams you're going to have to beat, right? And I think that this year is an opening salvo for what they could be about in the SEC because I've been very loud about this. Oklahoma should win the national championship this season. Now, whether or not they win that and people allow them to be members of the Big 12 and win that, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. 
But I think between the two of them, Oklahoma and Texas, you can expect one national championship in the next 10 years because the recruiting footprint will be as such, but also because you get to say, hey, we're now playing against those teams every single week. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, the class of the conference. I mean, I keep saying Florida. Uh, I will say Tennessee and South Carolina will be nice wins for Oklahoma to have. Uh, SEC, Catherine, what do you got? I noticed that little dig in there. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> I think I when I'm down. Okay, this one's, from, <laughs> this one's from Tommy. Just Tommy okay. and his handle. Okay. Um, Oklahoma, maybe one or two. Texas, none. Oklahoma will benefit more from the recruiting spike that SEC has over Big 12. You know, I like that he has decided to differentiate those questions, to divide Oklahoma and Texas as opposed to combine them, which is what the question asked for. So I guess to combine, that's two. But you know what? How many national championships has the Big 12 won in 25 years? Three. Nebraska, 97. Texas, right, 05. And of course, Oklahoma in 2000. So I'm inclined to think that Oklahoma and Texas combined get to two, but I've always thought of Texas the way that I think many ampersand U fans that feel about Texas A&M, which is when they decide that they're going to be about this in a way that is no longer excluding and not saying we got to do it on our terms, then they will win and they will win regularly and they'll compete for championships. That said, Oklahoma is built to do it with Lincoln Riley and built to do it right away as soon as they join up. It's going to be interesting though, because you're going to need some things to go your way. And then you have Oklahoma as a monkey wrench for many of these other programs. So I like the two there. I'm not sure that I like it more for Oklahoma or Texas four years from now. You're gonna love this one. This is from okay. Robert Brewer. He said, okay. same amount as the last decade. Again, I'm, I'm not inclined to really argue with the man's logic. You know, like Texas had, here's the problem that you have with this, right, is from 2000 to 2009, Oklahoma or Texas played in like four basically national championship games, right? If you can include LSU in 04, right? So that's three for Oklahoma. That's one for two, five, five, five national championships. And they won two of them. So that's playing in the Big 12, okay? And that's also... Not necessarily the best defenses, even though I think 03 was pretty good. I think, again, Oklahoma has had an outsized imprint on the Big 12, which, you know, pff, we know. But also, when you look at the other teams that has had to play and say games that, quote-unquote, don't matter but do matter, like New Year's Six, Oklahoma beat the hell out of Auburn. Oklahoma beat the hell out of Florida, Okay. You need Texas to rise, but not so much. I mean, if they're as good as A&M, then you're not asking for much, are you? And everybody believes that A&M's year is this year to come out of the SEC West. I would love to hear Jimbo Fisher's thoughts on that. But I'm also going to add in here, if Oklahoma and Texas get skunked in the first 10 years that they play in the SEC, is that a miss? I don't think so. I don't think so because Georgia exists. Okay? Full stop. I don't think so because Florida exists. Okay? Full stop. Right? Who was the last 
SEC West team, not named Alabama or LSU to win a national championship. Auburn! And I continue to say this, and I mean it with all my heart, Auburn fans, so come get me. You're Auburn! Holy crap, man! So if Auburn can win a national championship, why can't Oklahoma or Texas? Again, one. One, I think, is a nice number. One's fine. Especially knowing that Nebraska ain't had a whole bunch of fun since they joined the Big Ten. Missouri ain't had a whole bunch of fun since joining the SEC. And A&M ain't had a whole bunch of fun since 1939. But you get my point there, right? Since joining the SEC. So, I do kind of like it, Kat. Because it's not like you can win a negative number of national championships. As long as you don't turn into... Let me see if I can pick on somebody else. Mississippi State. You're fine. As long as you turn into Ole Miss, you're fine. I think if your A&M levels are good, LSU levels are good, that's national championship. Georgia levels are good, this is what we expect from you. Florida levels are good, this is what we expect from you. If you descend into the doldrums of the SEC, into the bottom where you're going, I don't know about this squad, yeah, that's not going to be all right. But you know what? Those of y'all that were around for 90s era Oklahoma, it'd be like coming home for y'all, right? It'd be, it'd be like, I'm, yeah, that's me digging at, at the old heads who always try to tell me how good I got it for the last 20 years. I'm like, yo, man, I got one national championship 20 years. Get out of my face, okay? Y'all lived through the 80s, okay? Y'all lived through the most dominant era of Oklahoma football this side of Bud Wilkinson. Don't come at me about this, okay? I'm, I'm slowly, Kat, can you, can you feel me, like, pushing against this SEC thing even as it's happening? Even as it's just eating me alive? Oh, it's coming yeah. from my whole soul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's very apparent to Ugh. you and all of our listeners. Golly, man. SEC? I do have I do have one one other one that please. He he is taking a more positive approach from Brandon with scrub teams like Auburn, Florida, A&M easily three or more only teams we got to worry about at OU is Bama and Georgia maybe LSU every few years but mostly just Bama I'm sorry the man says scrub teams like national champion Auburn A&M and perhaps the most dominant SEC team of the 2010s or excuse me 2000s Florida I look man no disrespect, present company, because I feel like it's just a draw right now. But you only got like four wins in the SEC right now. Just, just, just four, right? And Tennessee's a sleeping giant. They'll get it together. South Carolina was going to be all right. And then Clemson decided to over the last decade to become Voltron. So I'm not so sure that South Carolina's going to get back there as quickly. Though, if y'all can form in the Megazord, you know, and do your Mighty Morphin Power Rangers thing, I will be here for it. Right? I'm not I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna disparage that Javion. But Ole Miss can beat you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, did anybody else watch Ole Miss put up six no seven hundred yards of offense on a national champion Alabama? I, I saw that. You know, like Mike Leach had Oklahoma's number there for a little while at tech. He's at Mississippi State. You know, like, all right, put it this way. You have the best, like, group of coaches that I've ever seen in one division in the West. You know, at one time, it's Malzahn, it's Leach, it's Fisher, it's Saban, it's Kiffin, and it's Lord Vader himself. Like, 
I'm sorry. There are no wins here. Like there are, there's seven wins in the Big 12. I'll say it. There's seven wins in the Big 12. Okay? Seven. And that depends on how you feel about Kansas State or Texas Christian. All right? In the SEC, Hypo was putting up 500 yards of offense. 500 at Central Florida. And you know who he would love to beat the hell out of? Oklahoma. Do you know how badly Tennessee fans want to see Josh Heupel get his revenge? Because this man was passed over for the job that Lincoln Riley got? I'm telling you, this is not... Y'all think y'all want this. I mean, I want it, but I know that I'm not a coward, right? I'll go anybody. But y'all... Whoa, first time Oklahoma goes 8-5 and five in the SEC, what you gonna do? First time Oklahoma goes 7-5 and five in the SEC, what you gonna do? Okay? First time they give you a schedule that is... Alabama, LSU, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas. Let's throw Missouri in there. A&M, right? Georgia. What you gonna do with that? Like, where's the wins, man? Nah, 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 nah. You gonna get games every single week. And that's gonna be great for the neutral. It's gonna be great for you and me, but... Whew, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm used, to a, I'm used to 12 wins a year. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm used to 12. I'm not used to 10. I'm not used to 9. 93 ain't what we do. 94 ain't what we do. I'm used to 12. Two losses tops. How many two-loss seasons do you really expect Oklahoma to have in Sankey's SEC? Okay? I don't have enough hubris to think that I'm going to walk through 10 games. I don't, I don't have that. That's not me. I think I'm going to have to fight and claw. You know why I think I'm going to have to fight and claw? Because Alabama had to fight and claw in 2020. Cat, I'm not looking forward to this. And you are loving it. She's like, <laughs> she's, she's having to, such a good time. Welcome to the SEC, RJ. Oh. Uh, is that the end, or we got more people that are planning to dunk on Oklahoma and Texas? That's it. Okay. All right. Tell the people what your preseason top 10 are. It's very cool. So, producer Kat did a very cool thing in which she asked me to stand up and talk to you about my preseason top 10. And without further ado, here they are. So, this is my favorite time of year, and you know that because we get to talk about college football in a way that we almost never get to talk about college football. I'm lying, because offseason is all we do. Talk about the teams that are 0-0, but how we think they should be ranked going into the season. And there are things that you need to keep in context as I talk about my preseason top 10. The first one is I put a premium on coaching continuity. I believe that our coaches are significant to our sport, and I think they're almost as significant as returning quarterback play. So I put an emphasis on that. And in this new age of the transfer portal, I am so overjoyed with the roster management that has gone on. So I have put a premium on who went into the transfer portal and added to their really great recruiting haul. And that's how you make this top 10 list. I understand it ain't your list, it's my list. So I enjoy you fighting with me about this. Yeah, so we're gonna start with that. Let's start with that and let's take a look at the board. At number 10, we got Oregon. Okay, so first thing, Oregon's got Mario Cristobal, 
who I got to see talk with, get to know just a little bit. And he's got all the alpha energy. I'm telling you, man came in with his polo untucked, knowing he's got a squad, knowing he's the returning Pac-12 champ, and knowing he's really just an out-of-conference win away from playing in the college football playoff. It feels like Oregon should come out of that Pac-12 North. The returning quarterback, we could take it or leave it, right? Anthony Brown played some, but he played well enough to run off Tyler Shuck, who's at Texas Tech. They return an outstanding tailback in C.J. Verdell, and they've got the best defensive player eligible for the NFL draft in Kayvon Thibodeau. But it's not just Thibodeau at the pass rushing ends. It's also Justin Flo at linebacker, Noah Sewell at linebacker. They got better defensively, and I expect that to be a strength of their football team in 2021. All right, at number nine, Utah. Give me two, right? All right, uh, point break joke. Some of y'all saw point break. Some of y'all are children. Anyway, Utah did so much in the transport portal that I loved. You got Charlie Brewer out of Baylor. You got Jaquindon Jackson out of Texas. You got Chris Curry out of LSU. You got TJ Pledger out of Oklahoma. You got Theo Howard out of Oklahoma. And you returned everybody who was draft eligible in 2021. They know they have a special team in Utah. They know that if they can put it together defensively and they can play the kind of football that Kyle Whittingham's team is capable of playing year in, year out, taking care of the defensive line, taking care of the offensive line, and they can spruce up that passing game, they can surprise the folks in the Pac-12 South. I really enjoy the Pac-12 South, and you're going to find out why here in just a little bit, but let's go to number eight, LSU. All right, so LSU returns a starting quarterback in Miles Brennan. It might be his job. Right? It might be Max Johnson's job. We'll see. We do know TJ Finley thought the competition was thick enough that he wanted to transfer. And in transferring, we're in a two-quarterback duel, right? We also got Derek Stingley Jr. on the other side, playing a little cornerback. But also, this is year three for one Derek Stingley Jr. And the reason that that is important is he's going to play both ways. All right, look, nothing I love more than a man playing Iron Man football, specifically cornerback, wide receiver, but he was returning punts as a true freshman. Never happens at LSU. You're putting a lot on that man's shoulders. You return a lot of underclassmen who were really thrust into the fire. On the other side, you got Eli Ricks. The only problem that we see here for me is you're breaking in a new defense coordinator, Durante. You're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, passing gate coordinator. And I think just getting those guys involved is going to be the task. But they're going to have something that other teams did not have last year. They're going to have preseason camp without COVID restrictions, provided you are taking care of yourself. Please take care of yourself, guys. All right. At number seven, USC, which is going to make Director Chris very happy. All right. So I have to say, they took a vault up for me, right? If you watch my post-spring rankings, you understand I wasn't all the way in on USC. And then I take a better look at what Keaton Slovis has around him and what Todd Orlando added to the defense, okay? They got dogs on both sides. I love Chris Steele. Chris Steele was a dude at the opening final in 2019 who was talking about, hey, come get it, if that's what you want. 2018, excuse me, come get it. Talking noise to top 200 players as a five-star corner, and he's playing like that at SC. You add the number one player in the country and Corey Foreman to an already outstanding defensive line that includes Drake Jackson, who we expect to be a first-round draft pick. So that's just your ends, right? On the other side, Keaton Slovis, 
We have Keontae Ingram who transferred in from Texas. Malcolm Epps who transferred in from Texas. Jake Smith, National Gatorade Player of the Year, who transferred in from Texas. Brew McCoy is going to get into it this year. I'm very excited about that, but I'm no more excited than those guys about those guys than Drake London. All right, Drake London has been compared to Mike Evans by Clay Helton, by Keaton Slovis. And I asked Keaton, how are you dealing with the pressure of knowing y'all have all the tools? It's all there for you to take right now. And he said, we want it. This is who we want to be. That is what USC is. We expect this pressure. We came to USC for this pressure. I got you at number seven, fellas. Let's see if you can go up or down. It's up to you. All right. At number six, Iowa State. All right. I love me some Iowa State, but I love me some Matt Campbell. One of the things I enjoy about Matt Campbell is he's gritty. He's tough. He doesn't usually smile all that much, right? But when I talked to him at Big 12 Media Days, my man was Chestershire Cat Grinning, okay? I even commented about it to our crew. And one of the things I was made to understand is Matt Campbell doesn't smile. Why would Matt Campbell ever smile? He's smiling now because he know he got a unanimous All-American returning that tailback. He's got a guy with 20-plus school records at quarterback. He knows his defense is going to give everybody fits because they play this really interesting and very unique brand in which they drop eight and go tackle. And they got one of the best, if not the best, linebacker in the country in Mike Rose. And at end, I'm the only person that apparently cares to talk about Will McDonald, all right? That is the only Power 5 player with double-digit sacks who returns to play college football. What are we doing here? Iowa State is going to be there. All right, now... We're going to get to the ones I know y'all care most about because we talk about playing for playoffs. And their 12-team playoff, that's down the road. Four getting in. Four of these five, all right? So let's take a look at what we got here. At number five, we got Clemson. All right, I'm betting a lot on Tony Elliott, Brent Venables, Dabo Sweeney, DJ Ui Ungalale. Get to know DJ's name. DJ Ui Ungalale, all right? Say it in the mirror for two years straight and you'll get it. That's what I had to do, I'm just gonna tell y'all. But, my man is built like Josh Allen. He's got a cannon for an arm, throwing 95 mile an hour fastballs. And he brought Clemson back from the dead against Boston College, down 18, right? At one point in the first half, they go win that game. Travis Etienne does not have a great game. But DJ, in his first start as a true freshman with Trevor Lawrence out due to COVID, goes and gets them a W. He goes for 400 plus against a Notre Dame team that played in the college football playoff. That's your starting quarterback. Now, what are you going to do about Travis Etienne? Easy. You go get a five-star tailback. You go get Will Shipley. Will Shipley out here looking like white chocolate, okay? I'm telling you, this man could go for 2,000 yards from scrimmage. The way that y'all love Saquon Barkley, the way that y'all love Christian McCaffrey, it's going to be the way that you love Will Shipley, all right? And then again, Brent Venables just puts a defense on the squad, right? Just a defense on the field that can go. And when you are two of the highest paid coordinators in college football history, yeah, that's what you're getting paid to do. So we'll see them, I think, back in the ACC championship game, going for a seventh straight ACC championship. And that has been an easy way to punch a ticket into the college football playoff. But we'll see. Number four, Alabama, as Forrest Gump would say. All right. There's a lot going on with Bama. Okay. You lost four skill position players that first round draft picks and the Heisman Trophy winner. And none of those dudes were your quarterback, right? I take that back. Mac Jones did get drafted in the first round. That's my bad. But none of the dudes that we were watching was your quarterback, 
okay? I'm, I'm not watching checking for Mac Jones. I'm checking for Najee Harris. I'm checking for Devontae Smith. I'm checking for Jalen Waddle. And that's before we start talking about the offensive line. How are you going to replace all that production? Easy when you're Nick Saban. You put together, quite literally, the best recruiting class of all time, period. That's what you got there in true freshmen. And you're going to be buoyed by these true freshmen. But more than that, I think you got to worry about your offensive coordinator. Remember I said I put a premium on coaching continuity. And in putting a premium on coaching continuity, Steve Sarkeesian is not there anymore. Okay? Steve Sarkeesian is at Texas. He got new problems. Bill O'Brien comes in, and we'll see what the scheme looks like. Okay? Because as the scheme changes, we're going to see what your new quarterback can do too. Because Bryce Young at Alabama has the controls. The man that they say has already made seven figures in name, image, and likeness deals. Right? You want that man to succeed. But also going in there, you got a Jai Hall who we'll talk about. You'll get to know him. But keep him in the back of your head. You got Brian Robinson Jr. going into his red shirt senior year. That's your bell cow tailback. Okay? You have John Mechie who will be your most dominant wide receiver this year. And then defensively, you return a bunch of studs minus Pat Sertan, okay? Josh Joe, that's the dude to watch this year. Jordan Paddle, that's another dude to watch this year. You're going to have a squad to deal with. It's about experience at this point. So if you're gonna jump on Alabama, you better do it this year because in 2022, they are back to hunting a national championship if they don't already put it together in 2021. But as I've said, this is the deepest year of college football we've ever seen, period. More FBS players than we've seen in 30 years, and we're talking about skilled labor, all right? The economists, y'all understand. Skilled labor, unskilled labor. We got a lot of seniors out here, a lot of six-year dudes out here, and Alabama's got a few of them. Okay, number three, Ohio State. I know, some of y'all are shocked by this, right? No, no, you're not. No, you're not. Shout out to my OU fans. Now, I got Ohio State here because Ryan Day is their head coach, Larry Johnson's defensive line coach, Kerry Combs is coordinating the defense, Tony Alford's got the running backs coach, and all Brian Hartline has done is continue to turn out wide receiver class after wide receiver class after wide receiver class, and that's before we get to talk about the offensive line, okay? You got one weakness that needs to get fixed, and I think that Kerry Combs is going to try to address this. Your secondary has to get better, okay? Because Michael Penix Jr. put up doggone near the jackpot against you at 495 through the air. That, that, that wasn't a great film day the next day. No, nobody had fun at Ohio State Secondary watching film that day. You sure that up, you got a shot here. But RJ, you told us you put a premium on quarterback play, on returning quarterback play. You're right, I did. They got CJ Stroud, who started as the 860th ranked player February 28, 2019 and then vaults to the 42nd overall player by 2020, August 2020. That dude's a player. But if it's not him, it's Jack Miller. If it's not him, it's Kyle McCord. And again, it's Ryan Day, okay? The only guy that I'm comfortable with giving this sort of real credit to with an untested quarterback other than Ryan Day is Lincoln Riley. And he, you, can, you can check the receipts with Lincoln Riley. Ryan Day has been doing the same thing at the quarterback position. Just ask Justin Fields, right? That's all I'm going to put out there. All right. At number two, Georgia. All right. SEC fans, you're welcome. Okay? I got two of y'all in the top four, but that's been your league. What I'm saying 
specifically to you folks in Athens. This is the year, baby. What, 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 what are we waiting on here? All right, you got JT Daniels, five-star quarterback. He needs to put it together. Todd Munkin is going to let you turn it up. You've got Zeus back there. That's the mere Weiss to the unaffiliated. You've got two tight ends that I'm going to line up on the numbers, and I'm going to say quarterback have at it. I got six foot seven Daryl Washington over here, and I got six foot five Eric Gilbert over here. And that's before I even start talking about wideouts. You are built to hunt the championship in 2021 offensively, and that is what you have lacked at Georgia. I know about Kirby's defense. I know what Dan Landy's got over there. Oh, by the way, the dude to watch over there, Keely Ringo, that man looked like an outside linebacker they got playing in the secondary. Just cock diesel out there, all right? And then Nylon Green, that's one of those freshmen that you're just going to learn to love, especially when you've seen the kind of talent that has left the Georgia program at the secondary position. But I think this is the year. Run through the East, get yourself to a championship game, and then let's see what you got, all right? You've been there before. You've won a college football playoff semifinal, albeit an OT in a game that we ain't really got to talk about and much about them. You know, we, we just let it go. Can, I, can you do it again? That's what I want to know. Can you do it again? I got you too. Will you end it too? Or will you end where our number one team is? Oklahoma! That's what I'm talking about, baby. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a squad. That, 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 that's a squad. That's a squad. All right, look. We know what the quarterback situation is. You got a hunter rocking the golden gun subclass, all right? He out here like Cheddar to connect. Look at the flip of the wrist. That's Spencer Rattler, all right? That's your quarterback. But here's the thing, though. You don't need him to be a playmaker, baby. You need him to be what Matt Jones was for Alabama because you got playmakers at every other position. You got dudes at tailback, okay? Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray. You got dudes at wide receiver. Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims, and your defense is no longer a liability. In fact, it's doggone near straight. And I can't tell you what kind of hallelujah we having over here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, now that Alex Grinch got these boys ready to hunt, ready to chase championships. It's not about can you beat all state in Rhode Island, which is what winning the Big 12 championship is. It's can you run through this thing unscathed, not trip up against Texas, Iowa State, Texas Christian. Can you beat the juggernaut that is Chris Kleiman's Kansas State? And then when you get to the championship, can you run over that team? And then can you get to the playoff and do what you have never done? Oklahoma's been around for over 100 years, okay? Seven national championships. The last one was one when I was 13. I'm here now. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm grown, okay? I'm 34 years old. I ain't seen no national championship return to Norman since I was 13. Lincoln, Lincoln, I love you. I love you. This is your squad, okay? I got you starting here. Can you end there? All right, that is my preseason top 10. Again, see me on the Twitters. See me in the YouTube comments section. You know I like to get it from you. All right, that's it for me. So that is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. My thanks to producer Kat, director Chris, Javion on the socials. Chris Scott executively produces the show. To all the coaches who have joined this show so far, you have my undying love and affection. I know that many of you are taking time out of your schedule to join us, chat about your teams, have a good time with us. I'm so looking forward to this season, but until we get started in earnest August 28th, 
We'll see you next Monday where we'll do this all again. That's it for me. Deuces.